Hi, so uh, I'm going to talk a little bit today about the difference between theoretical and technical eclecticism in therapy. And I know that those are kind of strange words. And if you're not um, a therapist or in the mental health field, this might sound a little bit strange. So I want to kind of define my terms to start. So eclecticism, we'll just start with that word. It's just kind of our word for like, it's an assembly of a whole bunch of things kind of thrown together, a a hodgepodge um, is a way to say it. I realize that I'm maybe dating myself with that kind of a um, that kind of a phrase, a hodgepodge, that feels very not Gen Z. So apologies to any young watchers out there. But um, yeah, it's just an assembly of a whole bunch of things, pulling from all these different approaches. And um, uh, and then, so when we break this down into theoretical and technical eclecticism, so technical eclecticism would be something like, okay, you've got all these different approaches. We've got the cognitive behavioral approach and you've got gestalt therapy and you've got Adlerian therapy and you've got psychodynamic therapy and you've got um, uh, dialectical behavior therapy and I mean all these you know wide range of things and all of those approaches they have particular techniques that they that they offer um, you know and 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 that you know like me as an Adlerian therapist there are certain techniques that Adlerians use with with regularity you know when uh, we could talk about uh, perhaps what some of those are, but you know, like let's say a, a cognitive behavioral therapist, they're going to have certain techniques that they use. Uh, a gestalt therapist, they're going to do empty chair uh, or or something like that. And uh, psychodynamic folks, they're going to do um, you know they're going to do uh, dream analysis and in a particular way that might be different than the gestalt folks or the Adlerian folks or so on and so forth. Okay. So you've got all these techniques. And so a technical eclecticism is that you borrow techniques from all of these different approaches. And then um, when we're talking about theoretical eclecticism, uh, what we're talking about is borrowing a bunch of concepts and ideas from all of these different approaches. Now, I'll I'll tell you uh, what a, a former professor of mine told me one time. He strong he was a strong advocate for technical eclecticism, and and I am as well. I think that it is a great idea to borrow techniques and skills from um, a multitude of approaches because people are just really creative and they come up with some really really cool ideas. And I would add to this that one way in which we can be technically eclectic is that we can also invent our own techniques. And if anybody ever tells you that it is off the table to invent your own techniques as a therapist, I would tell them to go kick rocks uh, because this is, of course, how any technique ever started. Is that somebody tried it, somebody invented it, somebody tested it out. Of course, we do this thoughtfully. We do this ethically. We do this, um, we do this with some level of, of caution and care, but we can be creative. Uh, in what we do. And so that's even maybe a way to be uh, technically eclectic is to be inventive and and creative. Okay, now, so my former professor, he's a strong advocate for technical eclecticism, but he said, uh, when people talk about being theoretically eclectic, there is a word for that, and it is confused. And <laughs> it's humorous, and you could say, okay, that's a little harsh, but you, you would be my case that it's not harsh. Um, at 
at their core, what a theoretical orientation is. And again, for folks not in the mental health field, what that means is that there are all these theories of human behavior and psychological functioning. Okay, you've got Freudian theory and Adlerian theory and Jungian theory, and you've got Gestalt, which that's from Fritz Perls, and you've got cognitive uh, theory, and you've got behavioral uh, psychology, and you've got this, I mean, there's this wide, wide range. Okay, and what those orientations are at their core is that they are answers to two fundamental questions. And those questions are these, why do people do what they do? And that's kind of the explanatory or case conceptualization piece, okay? And then there's the second question is, and how do people change? And that is the, we'll call that maybe the intervention uh, level. So we've got explanation and case conceptualization, and then we've got treatment interventions. And that's, that those, that's basically what a psychological theory is, is that it's those two things. We conceptualize the case and then we decide what we're going to do about it. And the reality is, is that, of course, there is a, an immense amount of overlap in between these different theoretical approaches, uh, approaches and orientations. And, you know, I would be the first to tell you that there's a lot of overlap. There also are very, very fundamental differences in uh, in terms of how these approaches can you know answer those questions why people do what they do and how people go about changing i want to be clear that i have no real interest in you know putting down an approach any approach that is helpful to humankind i have i have no beef uh with an approach that is helpful to human beings, both as individuals and then in a community and certainly as a, a global community. If a theory or a technique is helping people to flourish, I'm on board, I have no issue with that. What, what I have seen is that when people are theoretically eclectic, meaning that they borrow ideas from all of these different approaches, what ends up happening is that they are simply, it's not just that they're confused, it's that they are inconsistent. And when you're inconsistent, one of the things that that does is that that means that as a clinician, you are not committed to a certain way of conceptualizing the case, a method of conceptualizing a case. And what that means is that you're also not committed to a way of figuring out what treatment interventions are going to be most helpful. So then you kind of take the spaghetti against the wall approach and you just throw up there and you kind of see what sticks. And this is highly inefficient. Uh, it costs our clients time. It costs them money, uh, sometimes a lot of money. People, you know, maybe they spend five years in weekly therapy when it, if someone would have just committed to a focused approach, they could have identified a few, you know, conceptualized the case in a, in a fundamentally theoretically sound way. I'm not saying the only right way, but a a right way, a, a sound way of conceptualizing the case, selected in light of the, you know, that conceptualization, a few interventions, really hammered away and committed to those interventions. Okay, and then you get down the road and people can really feel a bit better and get back to contributing as members of, of the human community. And that's the goal. So here's, 
I want to paint a picture for you of, of how this would look, okay? If we think about classical Freudian psychoanalysis, okay, why do people do what they do? Well, they do what they do because we they have inside them these three parts, okay? They've got an id, and that's kind of our primal, you know, uh, yeah, we'll stick with primal, our primal desires, okay? I want to eat, I want to fight, I want to have sex, I want to do X, Y, and Z, okay? And so that's there. And then we've got the superego, and these are, let's say, something like the internalized, moralistic, uh, cultural pressures that say, okay, yes, you want to have sex, but you can't because that's out of bounds. So in, again, a classic Freudian psychoanalysis, what maybe that looks like is, well, you want to have sex with your mother, but that's taboo. You can't do it. And so these are in tension with each other, okay? And then what we've got is this mediating factor of the ego, okay? And then whether or not these things are in balance um, determines what, what ends up happening. So, okay, you've got some neurotic disorder. Well, what that, you know, Freud says, well, the problem is, is that the, the id is not getting its proper due. And so the superego is overdeveloped here and it's just, you know, really flexing its muscles and it's, you know, powering down the id. And so then the id, it comes out in these other ways. You know, your arm goes numb or something. I don't know. Um, okay. So then how do people change? Well, you make the unconscious conscious. So you take this unconscious id stuff that's been repressed and, uh, and you make it conscious so that it can be properly expressed. And then you strengthen the ego and this allows things to get balanced out. So fundamentally, what Freud's doing is he's saying, uh, here's Freudian treatment. Uh, we explore the unconscious and we strengthen the ego. That's what we do. Okay, now, look, you can make the case, I, you know, you, I'm sure that there are Freudians out there who would make the case, yeah, and he was right about those things, and I've got 50 case studies to show you that would demonstrate that he's correct. Okay, again, I have no beef with any approach that helps humankind to flourish, but that is, that is a fundamentally different understanding of what is going on with people than, let's say, a behaviorist who says that, okay, why people do what they do is that people's behavior is the product of their reinforcement histories. And so uh, how people change is that you design a reinforcement history in order to, or a, a, a new reinforcement schedule to evoke a certain behavior. Okay, now, again, you could like there are behaviors out there and they've got mountains of research to say yes and that's correct and so on and so forth and I think all of this is up for you know healthy debate I again I have no beef with any approach that helps humankind to flourish but what I am saying is that these fundamentally is there overlap between those two approaches absolutely there is are they fundamentally compatible with each other no if you blend the two approaches, does that lead to an unfocused approach to therapeutic work? I think it is, it's my opinion, and I, I would invite feedback here, but I think unequivocally, yes. And again, that's not just about efficiency being the highest value. I actually, am, I don't hold efficiency as a particularly high value just as a person, but, um, but it costs our clients care. Uh, it costs them time during which they are suffering. So it costs them pain and suffering, it costs them time, and it also costs them money. And, um, and this is significant. And so this is why uh, one of the things that 
I do some supervisory work for uh, clinicians who are pursuing licensure in the state of South Carolina where I work. And I, I do, I ask all of my supervisees, no, I, I guess I'm not uh, quite as insistent on this perhaps as I should be, but I, I do ask them to develop a, a sound theoretical orientation. And by that, what I mean is that I want them to have robust answers that's, that feel right to them and in, in how they see the world. I want them to be able to answer the question, how do people do what they do? Why do people do what they do? And how do they change? And um, I make very clear that the answer, it depends. What that means is that you're, you don't know yet. And that's okay, you know, like there's time to develop and grow. And I hope that my answers aren't precisely what they are today. I hope that they continue to change and develop at least in some some nuanced ways. But um, I do think that there is a, there is a, I'm a big fan of technical eclecticism, but I am concerned about the potential dangers of theoretical eclecticism. And it would be, it is my firm opinion that, our mental health system and and world, I think we would do much better by our clients if we would insist upon for ourselves, not for others, but for ourselves, that we have robust answers to those questions. And then out of those questions, we would conceptualize cases and, and have a focused approach to selecting treatment interventions. So my two cents well would uh, welcome any disagreement and pushback, but just a, a few brief thoughts on that. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.